Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome back to Any Given Friday, the official podcast of Lake Country Sports. Episode 13 of Season 3. Today's Friday, November 15th. We are excited that you decided to join us. My name is Justin Hubbard. I'm the sports editor of Lake Oconee News. And with me today is Trevor Bowden of the Eat to Mestries, our Gatewood sports reporter. Uh, Trevor, before we jump in, you had a pretty big day this week. How was uh, how was it celebrating your birthday? Last week we talked about mine, and we talked about yours. I appreciate it. It was good. Uh, I had a good birthday. It's actually my mom's birthday today, so shout out to my okay. mom. Okay, nice. Happy I don't birthday. Even, I don't even know if she listens, but shout out to my mom. <laughs> she better. <laughs> She'll make sure she listens this time. Um, but no, it was. It's been a good week. I actually got to spend it at Gatewood, so it was. It was very fitting. So you were working just like I was on my birthday. Last <laughs> Correct. Time. Very very nice. Okay, you were at Gatewood for a basketball tip off thing, Correct. which brings us to our big topic for today. Somehow we're going to do a 12-team, I think, we counted up 12 teams, Right. basketball season preview here in Lake Country. We're going to do all of our schools. we got boys and girls team from each school. So it's going to be a lot of information. <laughs> we are going to try to get through it fast. Uh, I don't know what Trevor has planned, but for my teams, I'm not hitting every single detail. We don't have enough time in the day to do that. <laughs> so we're going we're gonna to jump in. We're going to preview basketball season. After that, we're going to catch you up on football, including tonight's playoff matchups for three of our teams. And then after that, uh, we had to cut something to make some time. So we're going to skip the NFL this week, even though it was a big week. A lot of big storylines, including the fact that uh, Jason Garrett needs to be fired. (laughs) And then we're going to jump into college football. I feel like that's a little bit more important this time of year. So we'll, we'll do all that today. Hope you stick with us and... If I have the time editing this, I'm going to post our timestamps <laughs> so for these basketball teams, so maybe you can follow along a little bit easier that way. We're going to jump in, and Trevor is going to get us started. Let's talk about Putnam County. What happened last year with those two teams, and what looks to be in store this season for the Lady War Eagles and the War Eagles? All right, let's start with the Lady War Eagles. Uh, they had a pretty good season last year. They finished 16 and nine overall, uh, nine and five in region play. Um, ended the season on a three-game losing skid that bumped them to third in region at the end of the regular season, and then unfortunately were bounced a little early in the region tournament, which was resulted in the end of their season. They were unable to make the playoffs, state playoffs, I should say. Um, but that being said, they are they're poised to make a, go- a good run again this year. Um, Based on the research that I've got, they only lost a sophomore. I don't know if that was transferring schools or whatever the case may be, but they didn't graduate any seniors. Um, They're bringing back five seniors this year. So a lot of veteran presence on this team. Absolutely. um, Hoping that they can lean on that, including, and hopefully I don't mess anybody's names up, but including senior Jashanti Simmons. Absolutely a stud for this team. Averaged 20.3 points last year and six rebounds per game. Um, definitely the heavy hitter for this team. She's got a couple of role players behind her as well that average seven and two rebounds. Um, that's Kimmy Bonnie and Marnesia Davis. Um, those are really the big three looking at last year's stats that I could find that stood out to me. Obviously, there's a multitude of, of girls on this team. Like I said, five seniors. So, um for big storylines for them, though, they really this is the year to capitalize on veteran leadership and play, uh, make runs at both region and state. 
Um, but focus definitely on the region title, I would say, with, with how they performed last year, kind of falling a little short of probably their goal. But definitely definitely a team in Lake Country to be looking out for. Um, Putnam men's basketball, a little bit on the opposite side. They finished 7-18 and 18 overall, 5-9 and nine in region. Again, were bounced early in the region tournament like the girls. They lost three seniors, but are returning lots of youth, including senior Rodney Daniel. He averaged 10, 10 points and six rebounds. And junior Corey Chatham, uh, seven and a half points, five rebounds. Two, two guys that really stood out on the stat sheets last year. Um, finished fifth in the region standing. So for them, it's, it's really building on what they did last year. Um, steadily improve and, and reach the goal of competing for a region title. But uh, both of them really have, have an upside going into this year. So it's, it's exciting to see what the Lady War Eagles and War Eagles can do this year. So over in Greene County, we've got four teams, two schools, um, really having to replace some, some heavy hitters on their teams. What about Nat Green and Greene County? Yeah, a lot of common threads around all four of these squads, as you mentioned. Let's start with the Nathaniel Green Academy girls squad. They went just 4-15 and last year after replacing a, a very loaded senior class from the year before. Uh, that season before, they had Brandy Bayshore, Megan Hunt, uh, Carrie Lindsay, Carson Maloof, all really, really great players who helped lead them to a lot of success. Made, made the playoffs for the first time in a few mm-hmm. years. And then last season, they really struggled replacing them, had a ton of youth. And uh, they had one standout player, Kendall Patrick. She was the leading scorer. She graduated. She was a senior. The good news is, she's I, if as far as my memory is correct, and my research told me it was, she's the only player that they lost, uh, at least to graduation. So that is going to be great. All the, the thing about having a, a team full of young players mm-hmm. is the next year they're a lot more experienced, and I think right. that's going to play into NGA's girls' favor. They're returning the likes of Jill Crumbly, uh, who can shoot the ball very well. Kinsley Gobby, who's a big presence in the paint. Gracie Arrington. There's a bunch of others, but those are three who, who uh, were among those who started a lot of games last year. So I feel like this season we could see them take a big step from that 4-15 record. And it'll, it'll just be a, a case of them putting together all the things that they learned last season and building on it. But uh, certainly I would expect a, a better record for them this coming season. The Thayer Green Academy's boys went 12-10 and 10 last year. They started off kind of rough, if I remember correctly. And, and then around the midpoint of the season, they caught fire and won a bunch of games in a row. Had a, a couple of, of good winning streaks there. They were led by Will McCommons, who finished his career with over... 1,500 points, not, not a bad four years <laughs> for uh, uh, Big Will, as his family called him. It calls him, I guess I should say. He is gone. He's uh, was a graduate last year, so they're going to have to replace him. Austin Stewart also graduated. He was a, a very important factor as far as moving the ball around. He, he was a great point guard. They also lost Lucas Freitas to transfer. Uh, he went to another school before this uh, school year began, so... Those are three really big players they're going to have to replace. The returning players from last year include Ethan Yearwood, Noah Ward, and Cole Nation. Over the last several weeks, while visiting NGA for some football games, I've run into coaches Doug Bayshore and Charles Crumbly. Both of them have come up to me and said, you better be here for some games. <laughs> we got a loaded team. we got a bunch of boys who have come out. Some have never played before. Some have played in the past, and they're just coming back to the sport. But... 
they're going to have a very deep bench, from my understanding. So, uh, even though those guys I just mentioned are sort of the key cogs coming back from last year, uh, expect to see a lot of other players who are going to be big contributors. And there's a lot of excitement around this boys team coming into the year. And I'm very curious to see who those guys are who are going to step up this season with those other three fellas gone. So, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I know they're excited and could be a very good year for both of these NGA basketball teams. I want to run through their schedule, not game by game. God, no, we don't have that kind of time. <laughs> and just point out a couple of things that I thought are going to be kind of interesting. They're playing the usual suspects, Westminster out of Watkinsville, mm-hmm. Covington Academy, Briarwood, John Hancock, of course. <laughs> uh, but they're also playing the likes of Tolliver County down the road from Salon. December 21st, Trevor, your my path may cross because – Gatewood is hosting some sort of a Christmas tournament, right. and NGA is going going to play against Rock Springs on one of those days. Rock Springs girls' team is coached by Derek Williams, who Correct. is a former uh, NGA head coach. So, I I think that schedule right there is is going to be very intriguing to watch. And last but not least, they're going to close the season January third regular season January thirtieth by hosting Gatewood. So. All right. They're going to play some different teams this year. That's going to be a common thread for my programs here. I'll mention that as we go along. But going to be a very cool schedule to see this year for NGA. And just up the road from Salon, we have, of course, Green County High School. A couple of really intriguing storylines around both of these teams. I'll start with the girls. Last year, the Lady Tigers finished 7-15. They were in the playoff hunt as the season went down the stretch. Looked like they may even qualify for the region tournament. And unfortunately, they finished off the season losing five of their last nine games. Uh, they went into their season finale at LOA, Lake Oconee Academy, and almost pulled off the upset. LOA was you know, trying to just keep winning the games they were supposed to, and they were going to be in the playoffs. Green had nothing to lose at that point. <laughs> they knew they were out of the region tournament. They were so low in the power ratings. They knew they would not make the playoffs. And... Uh, dang near rolled up into LOA's gym and upset them. It was a very exciting game. Unfortunately for the Lady Tigers, they are losing Marquisha Mallory, who is their leading scorer from last year. Quick note, this is the second year in a row they've come in after losing their leading scorer because two years ago they lost Tresiria Dunn. Technically, she may not have been the leading scorer. I can't say that for a fact. But Tresiria was a crucial piece to that team. Mm-hmm. Big presence in the paint. And could throw it down. I mean, she was unstoppable, mm-hmm. honestly, on her best days. And uh, Marquisha certainly was the leading scorer last year. They both are gone. And uh, so, from last year, so is Jamia Mitchell. It, it may be Jamiah Mitchell. I apologize if I messed that up. And Nikayla Hudson, both really, really good, scrappy players who could do a lot of things on the floor. Last season, though, they played four sophomores and three juniors. So, much like NGA's girls, they had a lot of youth and a lot of inexperience, which certainly played into that record. you got to feel like they'll be much improved this year because of that. They saw you know, just about everything you could see. They saw some really good teams on last year's schedule. So, I'm curious to see what kind of steps they take this year. An interesting note that I did not know until <laughs> – uh, the day before we recorded this show on Wednesday night, Green Coast girls have a new coach. Shonda Harris is no longer the head coach. Not exactly sure what happened. Joe Smith is uh, the head coach now. This if, if, if he keeps coaching everything he's done already at Green County, he's the softball coach. He's going to be the <laughs> – 
girls basketball coach, and then he'll be the baseball coach in the spring. So, all right. Uh, Joe is getting a, a full workload now at Green County, <laughs> in, in addition to all of his teaching duties. So, um, curious to see how they mesh and gel together this season. Just thought I'd point that out. That they do have a new coach. Green County's boys, on the other hand, return coach Greg Freeman, who will be in his second year. They're coming off a 21-7 and effort last year. Really, really good season. By, lar- by far, excuse me, the best season Green County's boys have had since I've been here covering them for Lake Oconee Hughes. They made it to the playoffs. They defeated Mount Zion in the first round, 93-68. to I wasn't at the game, but I heard it wasn't even that close. <laughs> and then the next round they lost at Irwin County, 80-72. to Heartbreaker there to be eliminated from the playoffs. They're losing a ton of talent. They lost Sedarius Kelly, Justin Mallory, Jaquan Robbins, LaRanye Williams, and Tajay Lewis, who were all crucial pieces last year and will certainly be missed on the floor this year. They're returning Desmond Dunn and Demiron West, who are a couple of just stud ballers in, in football and in basketball. So uh, they'll, they'll be okay for sure. Those guys are bringing in a lot of experience and a lot of skills. The questions are elsewhere on the roster because, number one, they played a lot of young guys last year. I don't think most of them are back this year, just judging by the rosters that are available online. They added Jaquavius Peak, Aaron Jones, Rymel McCammons, I hope I pronounced that correctly, Jamari Lawrence, who apparently is a really big, tall kid, and Demetrius Mitchell, who I've talked about before with football. So they added some guys who they hope are going to sort of restock what they lost to graduation. The big storyline for this team D.J. Wright, returning senior guard, phenomenal shooter, one of the best shooters in all of the country, is out for the season with an ACL tear. Really, really big loss here uh, before the season even starts. I was just communicating with D.J. earlier this week. He uh, confirmed to me that he did tear it, and unless they happen to make the playoffs and he happens to excel in his rehab and everything, he will not get to play this season. Really hate that for him, for a senior especially, right. to miss his entire last year. He's a good spirit. He's saying, you know, God's got a plan for it. But uh, certainly we hate it for him and anybody else who might suffer an injury. I, I feel like there's a prevailing thought outside looking in on this team that because they lost DJ, they lost any chance of being competitive. I'm not sold on that. Because, like I said, they are returning uh, Des Dunn and DeByron West and it sounds like these guys that they added are going to be uh, important contributors, and we'll see if they can handle the live bullets, obviously. But <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to give up on them yet because I saw what Coach Freeman did last year. This team did not look like a playoff team in the first couple of weeks, and he helped get them to that point. So uh, don't throw them in the towel just yet if you're a Green County fan. Uh, I think there's reason for optimism, but certainly it's going to be tough moving on from the loss of those seniors and from the injury to D.J. Wright, but... Either way, I'm excited to see all this play out for both of these teams. Really quick, we'll move on from Green County. Uh, they're playing their usual region opponents, obviously. They're scheduled to play Putnam, Monticello, and Hancock outside of the region, too. They've also got a home-and-home schedule with uh, 4A team Thompson. So, don't know where that came from, but I thought that was very interesting. As I said, it's, for, it's a prevailing theme for all of my teams this year. They're playing very different schedules from years past. But, uh, quick note... With Putnam County football being in the playoffs, it's probably going to affect the Putnam County-Green County game, or it could affect, I should say. 
And Green's opener was supposed to be next Friday, November 22nd, at Aquinas. That is also up in the air because Aquinas' football team is in the playoffs. Probably going to play deep into the playoffs. So uh, we can't nail down exactly a start date because of that. I have not received confirmation as of this recording. But either way, pretty soon they'll be shooting some hoops in Green County. All right, Trevor, a few of our teams have started up play already this year. You've seen one of them, Gatewood's girls. How are they looking, and what is the outlook for the Gatewood boys team? Yeah, like you said, I kind of get to cheat a little bit with the girls. <laughs> the Gatewood girls, I've, I've actually seen them play. It's a little less speculation on my part. Um, they finished 10-14 and 14 overall last year, 6-4 and four in region. Um, they they Kind of similar to Putnam, they only lost one player. They're returning five seniors this year, uh, but... A little bit different to Putnam. The one loss was kind of a major key. Uh, Lily Bridges graduated. Um, yes, she was only one player, but she was she was a pretty big cog in everything they did last year. Um, that being said, they're returning a pretty strong team. Um, they're five seniors, actually. Um, most of them played volleyball, so I got to know them through volleyball as well. <laughs> Claire Morris and Abby K. Moore are definitely the leaders of this team. They're four-year uh, contributors to this team, Claire Morris's starting point guard, Abby K. Moore, is a massive force down low. Um, compared to some of these other girls that I've seen them play already, she can jump out the gym. Uh, just a massive force rebounding. Um, and then on top of that, McKay Hyatt, uh, she played her freshman year, took the next two years off, has returned for her senior year, Kind of got to break through some of the rust of the, the ins and outs of reading the game, but adds a ton of athleticism. And then junior Sydney Bell Eubanks, who also played volleyball, is their other post. And she, she like Abby K. Moore, is a force down low. She will not be pushed around. She's usually the one pushing around. So um, those are four of the five starters. The fifth one is kind of up in the air right now. Like I said, that's, there's two more seniors on the bench, and I've seen one other junior start, so it kind of seems like they're trying to figure out the fifth uh, fifth member of the starting five. But in terms of um, storylines, the offense, from what I've seen, they seem to focus more on running the play than reading the, the floor. Um, so it it definitely seems like they just need to grow into the game a little bit more, knock some of the rust off, sure. you know, something I'm sure will come as they get used to it more or play a little bit more. Um, but other than that, just compete for region. I talked to coach camp, uh, in her second year as a head coach, talked to her after their two games that they played. Both of those were losses, one to Trinity of Dublin and one to John Millage. Their defense really is pretty stifling. Um, but those two games, the fourth quarter really hurt them. They let both teams go on deep runs in the fourth quarter that they never bounce back from. So talking to her, obviously, it's play defense for four full, four full quarters. And uh, offense, just see the floor better. But I'm expecting some big things out of this, this veteran-led team. Like I said, kind of similar to Putnam. And then as for men's basketball at Gatewood, they lost three seniors that were contributors but they're bringing back the bulk of their team that were all juniors and sophomores last year. Um, basically, if you've listened to us talk about Gatewood football, <laughs> any of those players that I talk about, that's the contributors okay. on basketball. Um, Weston Wallace, Jason Burner, Reed Haley, Luke Haley, Bryce Johnson, just to name a few. Um, obviously, Weston Wallace is one of the largest 
people in GISA. He is a force down low. Will Connor Olsen play just so he could probably beef up his, <laughs> just his season interceptions? Yeah. <laughs> I actually don't think he's playing, but I will talk oh, to him and on. see if he'll uh, pad his stats a little bit. Um, but, I mean, this is a team that, based on some of the guys I've talked to, this is a team that really wants to bounce back after sure. a disappointing season last year. Which is funny when you mentioned that they were 18-8 and overall and finished the regular season 10-0 and in region. Not bad. And then went into the region and got upset as the one seed and then went to the state playoffs and in the first round had to play the one seed out of their bracket and in a four-overtime loss that featured playing and starting at one gym, the lights going out at halftime, moving to another gym... They lost that in the first round. Obviously, that's bizarre. I don't know how many people have to deal with that or have even seen that. But, um, yeah, so two, both both tournaments, region and state, kind of were upset, quote-unquote. Um, so this is a team that really just wants to play to their full potential and not typically they seem to play down to competition is what some of the guys told me. Um, the first goal is win region. That's that's what they all said. Um when I was talking to them during halftime of the girls' game, whatever, it's nice to see them come out and support the girls. So that was good. But uh, but yeah, this is this is a team that's that's returning the bulk of their team, whether it's seniors or juniors this year. Uh, three seniors, four juniors. So um, both Gatewood teams really wanting to compete for region and then go farther. A little bit up the road from Gatewood, we've got LOA, and then over in Morgan County, we've got obviously the Morgan County teams. Justin, how are they looking? This- uh, well, I'll get started with LOA, and I'm going to make some people mad. All right. Because uh, we, on this show, we are always down the middle objective. Obviously, we want all of our teams and athletes to do well, of course. But if we're here, we, we come to provide our, our honest analysis and commentary, and I'm going to give it to you hard right here. All right. The LOA girls basketball team. Lady Cone Academy girls, Lady Titans. I got a feeling they're going to be the top team in Lake Country this year. Wow. All right. I'm putting all my chips on the table. <laughs> right now. And I will explain why. To quote Kevin Hart, let me explain why. <laughs> okay. They, last year they went 17-12. and 12. It was their best record ever, most wins ever, in their third year ever at varsity. Okay. So, not bad at all there. And I made it to the region tournament first time, won a game there, lost a tough one to GMC, but got out of there with a win and solidified their place in the playoff standings. I made it to the playoffs, uh, dropped a round one game down at Turner County, way south of here, 62-42. It was closer than that at various points, and Turner just kind of pulled away late. They only lost one senior to Amber Gilbert, great kid. They're going to miss her, certainly. Uh, she was a big presence uh, as far as leadership goes and, and on the floor, mostly as a reserve on the floor, but uh, certainly she did some great things. I'm not trying to take away from that whatsoever. Uh, but a- a- outside of her, they're bringing back everybody. Mm-hmm. And they added a girl by the name of Piper Bozart. I hope I'm pronouncing her last name correct. Really, really tall player. Gives them an inside force that they have never had because Elway's got some good players. They don't have very big players. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're adding Kenzie Stevens and Hannah Hyden, a couple of freshmen who are coming in with all the praise in the world from their head coach and their teammates. They're bringing back Kayla Jo Ogletree. She's a junior battling an ankle injury right now, but uh, she's projected to be okay long term. 
bringing back uh, Elizabeth Holt, a.k.a. Lizzie, who missed all of last season after breaking her leg at the beginning of softball season. Uh, so she's back for her senior campaign to bring back Kelly Stevens, arguably the best rebounder on the team. Piper may take that spot from her because of her <laughs> size. But, you know, statistically speaking, she's uh, one of their best rebounders. Kirsten Reese is coming in. She could shoot the lights out. And they're, got, they're bringing back Destiny McClendon, a junior who is 23 points away from 1,000 career points. Wow. And she has not played a game in her junior season. She's only played 53 games. Right. I cannot look at that <laughs> roster and tell you that I think this team is going to struggle ever. They'll, they'll lose a few games because it always happens. Mm. But this team is going to take charge, I believe. I think they've got the leadership to do it and the experience to do it. Nothing is going to take these girls by surprise. Because, again, they're bringing back everybody. And they, the couple of freshmen that I mentioned, they've got those seniors to lean on and uh, help them get through the tough times of this long season. I expect big things from them. They got it started last week by defeating John Mullage Academy 58-51. Not a sexy score. They went down 9-0, kind of struggled early. But they're installing a new system, which I don't know the technical name for because I'm not a basketball person, but it's it's the running gun kind of stuff. They're just, okay. you know, I'm not going to say they're forcing shots, mm-hmm. but they're putting up a lot of shots. They're right. trying to generate as many points as possible. And defensively, they play a lot of trap. It, it's gonna, and there are gonna be a lot of fouls at times, like we saw against John Millage. But we're also gonna see a lot of turnovers. Mm-hmm. I think uh, head coach Kevin Furtado told me they had 26 turnovers. Not bad for a girls' high school basketball team. Right. So that was a good showing in their their preseason scrimmage. You got to think they'll be much better than that as the season progresses. But I, I got to be honest. I, I think this team is going to. Number one, make the region tournament. Number two, be a lot better in the region tournament because they've got so much experience. Number three, they will get a playoff game. I think they're going to host a playoff game, and I think they'll get their first playoff win. Uh, don't get me started on the fact that they should have hosted a playoff game last <laughs> last year because I will not stop ranting. Uh, but anyway, I, I expect big things out of the Lady Titans this year, and I'm very much excited to see them play. Eloise Boys, they're coming off of a 3-20 and campaign last year. Not a hot record, but it was much improved from the two seasons before. They, they've struggled getting their players developed at, a, at such a quick pace. Uh, I don't want to say they haven't developed. They've all gotten much better. Head coach Michael Brooker's done a good job of getting those guys acclimated to the, the, the rigors of the varsity schedule. Uh, even though they only finished with three victories, there were a lot of close games where they went into the half either leading or, you know, five or six points away from tying up the game and just in the second half couldn't keep it going, ran out of gas a little bit. They expect that to be different this year for a few reasons. They're focusing a lot on conditioning. So they're they're hoping to physically be more better prepared to handle the, the full 12 minutes of every quarter. They also have a much deeper roster. They're losing Bryson Jackson. He's going to be a big loss. There's a big guy who could, you know, dominate in the paint on any given night and do some good things for him. But they're bringing back seniors Devin Phoenix and Jackson Count, who, by my summation, took a very big step last year as far as uh, their shot selection and their their shot quality. Kendall Clark's back. He is a, a really good guard. Noah Gessner's back. He's a sophomore. We got a lot of experience. Mac McCollins. There's a bunch of guys returning. And they're, they're bringing back senior Ryan Smith, who missed last year. He took that year off to focus on golf. And 
quick aside, shout out to Ryan because earlier this week he realized a lifelong dream by signing a scholarship to Wisconsin to play in golf. So the year off last year, it, it worked. <laughs> it paid off. So the, the, the totality of it is Elway has 15 players this year as opposed to just 10 last year. That alone is going to pay huge dividends. So they're excited for this season. they got a lot of confidence. I, I don't know what to expect because I haven't seen them on the floor. I've seen LOA's girls. I know that they, they're adjusting to their new system very well. I'm curious to see the product for LOA's boys. So I can't really say how I feel they're going to play, but they are very excited and are looking forward to what is probably going to be their best season at the varsity level by a large mark. And uh, it could be a very fun year for them. Really quick through the schedule because I've been talking a lot about these two. Very similar as far as the region opponents go, but when they go outside the region, these two teams are very rarely going to play the same team. It's going to start this week, actually. Uh, on Saturday, the girls are going to host Drew Charter, and right after the boys will play west side of Augusta. So that that starts it up right there. Uh, they're going to play the likes of Commerce High School. Um, the girls will play Stevens County, Tallulah Falls, Milton, Trinity Christian of Sharpsburg. The boys are going to play Brentwood, Trinity Dublin, Athens Academy, and Ace Charter. So very, very unique schedules for both of these teams. They were slated to start tonight against Mount Vassell's. Last I heard those games were on, but as we were discussing earlier with some of our other teams, football playoffs are affecting that potentially. Mount Vassell's is in the playoffs, but it sounds like they're going to have enough boys to come and play or host and play LOA. And then Saturday, tomorrow, they'll kick it off on their home slate. So I'll be there for that game, those games, I should say. And we'll get this thing started. But I, I expect a really fun basketball season out of Lake Oconee Academy. Mercifully, we are almost done. <laughs> uh, the last school we need to discuss as far as basketball preview goes is Morgan County, which brings in two teams that probably have – the most interesting storylines coming into this season. It's the only reason we saved it for last. It's not preferential or anything. It just how, how do you not save this one for last? Because there are so many things to discuss. I'll try to be fast. <laughs> Morgan's girls uh, are 0-1 in the season. They started up last Saturday against Newton and lost 65-45. Last season, the Lady Dogs went 19-8. and Great season by them. Big step up from the from the year before. They made it all the way to the region tournament and lost to Monroe area, which, if I remember correctly, was a seven-win team last year. So it was a very improbable loss there. They dropped it 43-41, just an absolute stunner. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody could have predicted that happening. So what that did was put the Lady Dogs on the ropes as on the ropes can get because they had no guaranteed playoff spot. Would not have made the playoffs if there hadn't been an at-large bid for the overall Class AAA bracket. Mm-hmm. They happened to be the best team standing, so they got it by by that virtue. Um, I can't remember exactly why that was established last year. I think there might have been one region with four teams, mm-hmm. so they, they didn't want to put all four of them in automatically. So they created the at-large bid. It went to Morgan's Girls. Round one, they traveled to Kendrick High School and won 48-35. And then round two, they went to Johnson of Savannah, which is an absolute powerhouse. and lost 66-44. Johnson went on to win 
the girls' state championship. So a tough finish to a very good year. If they had just made it through the region tournament, beaten Monroe and got a playoff bid there, who knows how it could have ended. Probably Johnson was not going to be denied last year, <laughs> put it that way. But you know, who knows how much better it could have been. They only lost two starters, Lou Reed and Miranda Powell, but both of them dropped over 1,000 points in their careers. So big-time losses there. And they lost their head coach. Josh Reeves went to Stars Middle High School, and that allowed Timothy Roop to come in and take over. He was an assistant last year, so he's not new by any stretch of the imagination. They feel like that's going to pay off huge and allow this to be a more seamless transition. They're returning some big-time players, including Tamia Benford, Taylor Wilson, Shea Brown. Quick aside, Shea dropped 26 points <laughs> against Newton on Saturday. She's a sophomore, so very, very good start for her. Nisha Cobb is back. Courtney Elder and Arkeisha Williams, those two, saw a lot more playing time last year. They are going to be very crucial this season. It's kind of their time to step up and get a little more PT. So I'm interested to see how Courtney and Arkeisha play. They added Peyton and Parker Spain, who, if you listened to this show for a while, you might have heard me mention them back during softball season, and Taylor Frederick. So they, they're they excited about this roster. They all tell me it's going to be a, a good transition because we're all experienced. Our coach has been here. They're, they're anxious to get this season rolling. I know they've already started, but they got a little bit of a break. And I, I think big things could be in store for this team. It's going to be a matter of can these girls, and by the way, I think they can, step up and consistently deliver the points that they need to in order to win. Morgan's boys, a um, lot to unpack here. They are the class AAA state champion, reigning state champion. They went 30-2 and two last year. And if you look back across their history at Max Preps, which goes back, I believe, 15 or 16 years, obviously it's not all time. But per Max Preps, it's the most wins in program history. Phenomenal season. They won their eighth consecutive region championship. But they lost Tyre Lawrence, Alec Woodard, Stevan Green, and Nolan Coswell, who were four of their five full-time starters last year. They also lost Malik Crawford, who was an elite uh, presence on the bench. So all of their top players are gone. There's a lot of talent to replace. They're returning the likes of Desmond White, A.J. Brown, Malachi Hardy, and a few other guys who uh, were around last year and saw some playing time. It, it's going to be a, a challenge for them, for them to step up and take on those, those roles that were left behind and be the consistent, reliable providers on the floor and on the scoreboard. And head coach Jamon Sims told me a few weeks ago at Media Day that he feels like they, they've got a chance to prove some people wrong. They're, they're coming in with a chip on their shoulders, and they know what the standard is, the standard that was left behind by all those guys that I just mentioned. By the way, I forgot to mention Trent Folds. Once football season's over, he'll be moving over to basketball. So all of those guys have been there. They were along for the ride last year, and not just along for the ride. A.J., Desmond, Trent, they all made some big shots in the playoffs. Uh, Morgan would not have won the championship without them, put it that way. As important as those other guys were, these guys provided some crucial, crucial contributions. So they're not, they're not looking at it as, oh, my God, we lost all of our stars. What are we going to do? They're looking at it as, we lost all of our stars. Now it's time to find our new stars. And that's been the standard for several years now. 
just like Greene County, I think outside of our area, there's a lot, and maybe even inside the area in some cases, a lot of people expecting this to be a down year for them. I think it will be relatively a down year. They're not going to be bad. This 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 coaching staff's too good. Jamon Sims, look, you could make the argument, oh, he had elite talent. Yeah, but somebody had to coach up that talent. And I think he certainly has the chops to get this team prepared to do some big things. Um, I'm interested to see if they're able to defend that region because <laughs> it's been a long time since they lost even a region game. Uh, my gut tells me that's probably going to happen. The region has gotten much better the last couple of years. It's not a shot at Morgan. That's just uh, praise around Hart County and Jefferson, a couple of those other teams. And it'll be interesting to see if they could possibly go win that region title for a ninth year in a row. And we'll see what they can do in the playoffs about defending this state championship. So both these Morgan County teams got a lot of interesting storylines at play. And I'm I'm intrigued to see how it all plays out. Really quickly running through a couple of Schedule highlights. The girls are playing in the Thanksgiving tournament at Jefferson next week. They've scheduled a home-and-home officially with Newton, so they hosted Newton, and a little bit later they're going to play at Newton. Uh, in years, the last couple of years, they played one game against them, so that's nice to see. they got a home-and-home schedule with Jones County. Never seen them play Jones before <laughs> the, the three years that I've been here. They're playing Salem, they're playing Tucker. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, there is no Sweet South tournament this year. It's a Christmas tournament they always host, I think, for six or seven years in a row. So that's off the schedule as far as I'm aware. So uh, it'd be a little bit different for our basketball teams at Morgan. But I'm excited to see it all play out. I'm excited to see all of this play out for our Lake Country basketball teams. We're finally through all of this. <laughs> a lot of them. A lot of, <laughs> lot of teams, which I guess we should say. On a weekly basis, we ain't talk about all these things. <laughs> We're, we do not have the time to do that. So, if you followed us through, I guess, softball, and last year we started this on the show, we're going to pick a couple of teams each week. And because LOA and Gatewood are getting started up right now, there'll probably be a couple that we talk about next week. Right. And Morgan probably, I don't know. I don't know. We're going to break down these schedules and see. <laughs> Try, rest assured, this is the last time you'll have to listen to us talk about Every single all time. 12 of these teams <laughs> at the same time. All right, so we paused recording for about 10 minutes to take a breath <laughs> after all of that. And we're back to discuss some football. I, I know it's postseason time, but we're going to be very quick with this. Right. Because we, we've only got a few teams still standing, and we're going to try to get through this very fast. And uh, Trevor, I'll let you start us by briefing us on what happened last Friday with Putnam County mm -hmm. and what lies ahead tonight in their first playoff appearance in a few years. Yeah, so the, the Putnam War Eagles won 28-6 over Oglethorpe County last week to finish 500 for the year, 5-5 five and five with a 4-3 and three region record, which is good for fourth place in the 8AA region, which grants them... Uh, their first trip since 2015 to the Class AA state tournament. So big, big win for Putnam last week. Um, actually, last week, um, this is coming from Lee's article, so if you want to know a little bit more about it, go read the article. But apparently they utilized a no-huddle hurry-up offense for their first touchdown. Um, Lee made it sound like that was something that they haven't done yet, so maybe they're trying to throw some wrinkles in for the postseason. But... Um, Jumped, like jumped out to a 28 nothing commanding lead, gave up that one touchdown with just under two minutes left in the game. Um, like I said, coming into the postseason, that's a big win for them. 
They will have a tough matchup tonight, though. They have to travel to the five AA region champs, Hapeville Hornets, who finished 8-1-1 and <laughs> for, with a 7-0 region record. So, um, interesting matchup there with a team that had a tie at some point. Okay. So. <laughs> interesting. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it was a great regular season for the War Eagles, and they're hoping to continue their success into the postseason. Green County, their season has come to a close. What, what kind of a recap do you have for them? It'll be very quick because, uh, as I'll explain later, I was not at this game. The Tigers traveled down to Wilkinson County to finish up the regular season and obviously the season as a whole and took a 49-20 defeat that dropped Green to a 2-8 and final record. Of course, one of those two wins is the – Forfeit uh, after the fact by Hancock Central. We explained that last week. I hope I pronounced this name correctly. Archaeus or Archaeus Wright played at QB. He went one for seven, two interceptions, not a great line, but he did have a 55 yard touchdown pass. So nice little explosive play there. Trez Brown led the team at rushing with a buck 27, two TDs. And Devin Giles finished with. 103 yards rushing. No scores, but obviously he put up some big yardage uh, throughout the game. So it, it finishes up a, a very tough season for this team. Those guys have uh, trudged through it. You know, it's it's been a challenging year off the field, on the field. You know, it, it, at this point, I think everybody's ready to get through it and you know, hopefully come back next year in the off season, be a little more prepared with some of these younger players who saw a lot of playing time this year. And uh, certainly, you got to think they'll be improved next season. Because, as I said about a couple of our basketball teams, the good thing about having a, a bad year with some young players is the next year they're going to have all the experience in the world. So I'm curious to see how they come back from this. But yes, their season is done after taking the loss down at Wilkinson. Well, if you ask anybody except head coach Jeff Ratliff. <laughs> Who apparently does not know the meaning of I, I hate to say that because I feel like we're, we're making fun of him, but uh, no, no, all, all due respect to Coach Ratliff. Uh, he, he says it's not a repeat, but we, we can say it's a repeat, a three-peat, uh, excuse me, a three-peat. Correct. Gatewood Football won its third consecutive region title last Friday night. You were there to see it play out. It sounds like there was a much improved effort from the week before. <laughs> Two weeks ago, they only won 49 nothing. Last week, they buckled down. They quit making the mistakes. They played smart football, and they won 63-zip. to zip. Correct. What is it about this team that's just got them rolling here? I mean, it, it looks like they are unstoppable at this point. Right. They... Uh... To, so to recap what you just said, just so everybody understands, they yes. beat their two region opponents that they had to play for the region title by a combined score of 112 to nothing, and gave up maybe a total of 70 yards. That's insane. Um, and that's that's being I mean, bravo, but that's insane. that's being very <laughs> generous to Piedmont on how many yards they got. Um, it's yeah, it was it was not even close. The scoreboard showed it wasn't close. If you were at the game, it was not even as close as the scoreboard made it look. (laughs) And that's saying something. Um, All the usual suspects contributed. The offense is clicking. But the one thing that Coach Ratliff talked about, it's in the article that I I have in the the Messenger this week, the defense is just dominating opponents right now. That's their third straight shutout going back to the Memorial Day game. Um, 
it's it's stifling what they're doing to other other teams right now. Um, so that's definitely something he's planning on leaning on. Um, kind of similar to Putnam, throwing a little wrinkle in though. They've started passing the ball a little bit more just in case they need to fall back on that. Obviously, ground and pound triple option is their bread and butter. Sure, that's clearly working for them these past few weeks as well. Um, so they finished their regular season off at nine and two with their two losses being John Millage and Community Christian. And a whopping two and zero in region to win the region title. So uh, they have a bye this week, and will be looking at the Westwood Memorial Day game, Memorial Day game, which takes place tonight because they will host the winner of that next week. Um, Did they play both of them this year? They played both of them, and it was not close. It was thirty six to six against Westwood. And sixty-two to nothing against Memorial Day. So, like I said in my article, they should feel pretty confident. They should feel pretty confident, regardless of who they play. Um, both those games were also at home, and this will for sure be played at Gatewood. So, um, it, I'm expecting a deep run again for the Gatewood Gators. So similar to Putnam having to make a playoff trip the, uh, tonight, Morgan County will be hitting the road for their first round matchup. Yep. Uh, unlike Putnam, Morgan is the three seed out of their region. Okay. Uh, but you look across the field, they got to play Calhoun, so uh, which would be a one seed in probably any other region. Calhoun is nine and one. The one loss was to a team whose name escapes me. I apologize. Who went undefeated in the region and undefeated in the season? <laughs> right. <laughs> so uh, it's gonna be a tough, tough game. Here's how they got there. The Morgan Bulldogs hosted the Hart County Bulldogs last Friday and lost 39-14. Early on, I was watching this game unfold, and I'm like, we're, we're going to have a bar burn on our hands here. These teams went to OT last year, if I'm not mistaken. It was reminding me a lot of the 2017 Morgan-Monroe area game, which decided the region champion that year. Morgan won it by one point, 21-20 if memory serves. Excellent game. It's probably the best football game. Probably the best sporting event that I've covered here at Lake Oconee's. I've covered some doozies. That was a, a <laughs> classic matchup. Early on, I'm thinking, all right, I got to buckle up. You know, I got I got to take some good pictures. It's going to be a great game. And all of a sudden, something changed. Hart County completely took over and ran the ball down the Morgan Bulldogs' throats. 423 yards rushing. Five rushing touchdowns. That's the, the story of this game, is the fact that Hart completely controlled the line of scrimmage. Morgan could not generate consistently any kind of pressure across the line. Rarely got into the backfield. They did early, but eventually Hart warmed down, and you know that, that O-line really, really took charge of this game. And through the air, they went for 111 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. Speaking of that interception, here's where the game in my opinion, was ultimately decided. Hart, on two consecutive drives, tried to give Morgan a chance to come back and make it a, a game. I forget the score at this point, but it was it was still close enough that Morgan could have really made a big charge toward potentially winning. Seth Robertson picked off a pass that was tipped up in the air. The very next drive, Morgan punted. And then the next possession by Hart ended in the red zone with a fumble, I think it was the red zone, it was close, uh, with a fumble recovery by Braxton Harris, Morgan punted on the next drive. That, those series right there is what ultimately decided this game, in my opinion. Uh, Morgan was 
never able to really stop them after that and give themselves a chance to come back. And uh, just very tough sledding from that point on. I'm not really exactly sure what happened to the Morgan offense. They really got slowed down a lot in this game. Trent Folds had a 76-yard touchdown pass early to Jarrett Wyatt, and Co. Bridget Lumpkin had a touchdown run early. So after that, they could not generate enough of a consistent push. They had a couple plays here and there, but you know they would get to a point and the drive would stall out and they'd have to punt or uh, later in the game a turnover on downs. So as I mentioned, Morgan would have had the two seed if they either A, won the game, or B, lost the game by fewer than nine points. Don't ask me to explain that rule because I don't even know it. <laughs> Didn't know it till last week, actually. Um, so with the, the, the big loss, they fell to the three seed. As I mentioned tonight, they play up at Calhoun, which is 9-1, and one, the number two team out of Region 6 AAA. Calhoun's won six in a row, and Morgan is searching for its first playoff win since November 16, 2012, almost a complete seven years uh, when they defeated Gordon Central. So it's going to be a, a tough game for Morgan tonight, but going back to my discussions I've had with some of these players throughout the season, they're hungry, they want to make a statement, and unfortunately they lost home field advantage, but uh, i got to imagine they're going to try to bring the fight to Calhoun tonight, and uh, I'll be there bringing live coverage on our social media and Trevor, I guess you'll be at the house. <laughs> be finding something to do. <laughs> you will not be watching Gatewood win by six. I'll be in the stadium and yeah. watching the same amount of excitement as usual. Yes. So uh, it'll be interesting tonight, and uh, we'll be back next week to recap all of this action for you and get you ready for whoever Gatewood has to play. Well, as we mentioned at the top of the show, because this episode is so Lake Country heavy, uh, we decided to scrap NFL talk from this week, and we are just going to talk a little bit of college football and get out of here. But first, got to bring in Will Petty, who's not with us last week. Much like Phil Brooks, a.k.a. CM Punk, Will Petty is back. I'm here to change the culture. <laughs> That's right. Uh, there's your pro wrestling reference of the week. All right, fellas, we had a couple of huge games last week in the world of college football. Obviously, Bama, LSU went down. And then Penn State and Minnesota wound up being a huge, huge upset victory for Minnesota. By the way, Trevor, I called it. <laughs> you did. My Golden Gophers. <laughs> okay. My Golden Gophers as of last Wednesday night when I realized that their offense might be able to do something against that Give Penn State credit defense. where it's due. You called um, it. Yes. I will be trumpeting that till the end of time. <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, let, let's talk about those games. What did you guys think about them? And um, obviously, they had a big effect on this week's college football playoff rankings. But what potential effect? Okay. What? <laughs> That's what they play when the opposing kicker's kicking. Really? Uh-huh. Yeah, they, they put that on the jumbo try. <laughs> if that's my team, I should know that. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, long term toward the final top four, how do you guys think those two matchups and outcomes could potentially affect the way the college football playoff looks? Well, you know, I'm not at all surprised about LSU-Bama. Well, I tell you that, I'm a little surprised. I didn't think it would be a five-point game. I thought it was going to be a significantly larger difference, especially after that first half. But, you know, I think uh, Saban was able to get his troops back in line. Um, obviously, not soon enough. But um, 
I think uh, that that was certainly what I expected to see in some regards. Uh, if you're a Georgia fan, you have to feel confident after seeing that game because, I mean, both those defenses were dumpster yep. fires. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, as far as Penn State, Minnesota, you know, as soon as I saw Penn State get ranked number four in the uh, playoff projections, I I kind of had a hunch that Minnesota was going to have a little something for them. And as with the LSU-Bama game, no surprises there either. I'm not surprised by the LSU game. It wasn't as convincing, but I said LSU was going to win. So I got that going for me. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. I've I've been on the if you've listened to the podcast any I've been on the Burrow bus as people have referred to it uh, all year. Uh, I said it has replaced the Gus bus. <laughs> I said he was gonna have a Heisman moment. I'm not oh boy did he. I'm not sure if it was as theatrical as some of the other uh, Heisman moments. But if I had to pick one play, it was his first down rush late into the game with like a minute thirty left. I think. That sealed Bama's fate for that game. Um, so, kind of agreeing with Will. I'm not surprised by the LSU uh, quote-unquote upset that people seem to be thinking it was. The Penn State one surprised me. I didn't think it was. I at least Road to boat. I at least thought that it was going to be close. It it wasn't even that close. The scoreboard seemed like it was close, but Minnesota pretty much handled yeah. them. Um, that all being said, though, you asked how these two games affect the playoffs. They don't. We've still got three weeks to figure out who the top four is going to be. We only got four weeks. You got to think about the championship, championship games as well. This is true. Yes. So four weeks. At this point, don't forget Army Navy. <laughs> at this at this point, to me, this is an exaggeration, obviously. But at the end of these four weeks, you can have four entirely new teams in the top four. So it yes, it shakes it up right now, but you got four weeks to figure it out. I think that it's it's still going to run its course, and there's still going to be a shake-up somewhere in there. So. I think the only real big change is in NFL, because now instead of tanking for Tua, they're bombing for Burrow. Bombing for Burrow. <laughs> I like that. Um, I would like to formally apologize to Joseph Burrow. Uh, I came on this show last year. Trevor, you weren't with us. Right before the George game, mind you. Will knows. Well, I... I dogged that guy. I said, everybody's talking about him like he's a revelation for LSU's offense. He's not that good. Yeah, they beat up Georgia, but Georgia was okay. Um, And I did not have any confidence in Burrow coming into this year. (laughs) That dude won the freaking Heisman Saturday night. 31 of 39. 393 yards. Three touchdowns, zero interceptions. Against Alabama. 14 carries for 64 yards. Just like you said, he, he beat him with his feet. Too. Against Alabama. <laughs> I, you know, this guy is, he's going to be the number one draft pick this year, I think. I think he's played his way to that level. I think Bye, he's, Andy Dalton. I think he's going to be, I think he's he should be the Heisman winner. If he turns in pedestrian numbers the rest of the way, at, at minimum, he's got it. He's going back to Ohio. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so shout out to Joseph Burrow, like I said. <laughs> um, also, yeah, I picked with my head and said Bama was going to win. Was not shocked at all that LSU won. This is a very, very good LSU team. He's 0-2 against picking against LSU, by the way. <laughs> yes. 
Yes. We don't need to bring that <laughs> Apparently up. Apparently you won't be let uh, forgot about you, that you, either. You, you my quarterback, no quit, man. Tell you what, we, we go out there and we always have him out there and he's able to throw the ball around. Go Tigers. Uh, by the way, um, I loved the fact that LSU's players ran over to the recruiting area. <laughs> that was, my goodness, that was amazing. That's a that's a stone cold middle finger mixed with a DX crotch job. <laughs> <laughs> that's the bottom line. This is gonna be the this is gonna start the second civil war. It's gonna be internal between the south. It's gonna be south versus south. But yeah, Mississippi. I I got to see most of the first half and then I missed the rest of the game. Unfortunately, the first half was amazing. I thought a bunch of big plays here and there, and then obviously the second half was just phenomenal. As far as the – and Minnesota, awesome win. Um, you said it, it was uh, – Trevor, it was it was not as close as that score indicates. Penn State had a couple of long drives at the end that really cut the lead closer than it should have been. Um, but, yeah, kudos to my Golden Gophers. This is my team right now. <laughs> that was – I'm rowing the boat with them. That was awesome. I don't even know what row the boat means. I just learned that this week. Anyway, <laughs> came with P.J. Fleck from Western Michigan whenever he okay. came there. Uh, Fleck is awesome, by the way. I love that guy. So, as far as the, the postseason goes, listen, Georgia fans celebrated this win for LSU. Bama ain't done. <laughs> um, we've been here before where Bama failed to make Atlanta. Most likely that's what's going to happen. Obviously, LSU could play its way out. That ain't happening. And I don't see I don't see Bama being able to jump up there. Um, but... I think it's going to play out with LSU beating Georgia. I hate to say that, but I, I think Georgia can hang with LSU because, like I said, the defense is atrocious. But I think LSU is just a tick better this year. And Bama's going to somehow find a way into that Final Four. Saban's going to be ticked off. He's going to have a point to prove to the world and everybody again. And Bama's going to win it all again somehow, way. That's my pessimistic view. Not so right fast, now. my friend. Because if LSU had held on to that 20-point lead and kept it there and beat them by three touchdowns, yeah, Bama's out. That's a, that is a blowout loss at home, and it would have been inexcusable considering Bama's overall uh, work this year with their schedule. But with a five-point loss, they're still in the hunt, so don't celebrate just yet. There's a lot that could happen to allow Alabama into the Final Four. Will is shaking his head. He disagrees. What did I tell you Alabama would do at the beginning of the season? I said they would drop two games. I said it'd be the LSU. Yeah, I said it'd be the Auburn. Oh, don't get me wrong. I'm rooting for Auburn. Auburn has a chance to win, but I, I just don't think it's going to happen. I'm, I'm calling it right now. Auburn does beat Alabama by at least a field goal. Okay. Alabama will be a two-loss team. Alabama will be in the Orange Bowl or the Sugar Bowl. They, they won't be making a trip to Atlanta or to wherever, Arizona. I, I forget where the yeah. playoff I know the championship is uh, Mercedes-Benz Superdome. So. Yeah. But, yeah, um, I hope you're right, obviously. I, I want Alabama out of this thing, but five-point loss ain't going to do it. Okay, let's talk about this week's games, and then we'll wrap up. Number 10, Oklahoma, is traveling to number 13, Baylor. Will is our resident Sooner, Sooners <laughs> fan, so we'll make him wait. Oh. Trevor, uh, will Oklahoma get the win, or will Baylor remain undefeated? Baylor's undefeated, but they're being completely written off for this game. 
And I think rightfully so. <laughs> I don't. I don't see. Didn't they almost lose to TCU last week? They did. Okay. They did. It was, I believe, triple overtime. Yeah, something like that. Uh, for sure, double. I think triple. It was triple. Um, I don't. I get they're undefeated at this point. Yes, if you're undefeated at this point in the season, you've obviously done something right. Whether it's playing an easy schedule or whatever, um, I don't. I don't think Baylor can hang with Oklahoma. I think. Uh, I mean, other than the Kansas State game, Jalen Hurts has Oklahoma, whether it's offense or defense or just Jalen Hurts being there, whatever you want to say, he's got them playing really well. Um, I'm going, I do think it'll be a bit of a shootout, though. I'm going 48-35 Oklahoma. Totally agree. Uh, Oklahoma's way too explosive, and they've got their backs against the wall. They cannot afford a loss. So I think they are going to be razor-sharp focused. Lincoln Riley traditionally comes through in these big games and they got the X factor of this game, Jalen Hurts. He's going to ball out. Oklahoma wins 41-30. Be a, a shootout, but Oklahoma gets a couple of stops late and pulls away. All right. So <laughs> it's the middle of winter, and I saw how much shady threw at Baylor. Uh, they, they need some sunny skies right now. Uh, but, look, you know, y'all brought up TCU. It wasn't just TCU they've had this problem with. They went. They, they almost went to overtime with West Virginia, who's 3-6. and six. They went into, I want to say, what, five or four overtimes with Texas Tech, who's also like three and six. Uh, I mean, this has been just a constant thing where they get into overtime and they somehow pull a rabbit out of their hat. Uh, Oklahoma, I have my own questions about as a Sooner fan. Uh, Did anyone watch this weekend's game with Oklahoma? Oklahoma should have lost. Fourth quarter, Oklahoma's up 21 points to Iowa State. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Iowa State comes back. Jalen even has an uncharacteristic interception. Mm -hmm. All right, you got seven seconds left in the game. Iowa State has scored a touchdown. It is 42-41. Iowa State's coach opted to pull a Matt Brown and go for two. They didn't get it. I will tell you right now, here's the difference between what happened with Oklahoma and what happened with Clemson in this situation. Uh, Matt Brown with North Carolina, it's the right call because you're going up against the defending national champions. You have nothing to lose. Uh, you know, you go into overtime, you're probably going to drop it. Iowa State had 20 unanswered points before they did that two-point conversion. I'm telling y'all right now, if that game would win the overtime, Iowa State would have came out. They had turned the game. Yeah. yeah. And Oklahoma, we wouldn't even Oklahoma wouldn't even have a chance at the playoffs anymore. I mean, I, I honestly, in my opinion, after this game with Iowa State, they don't. I think plenty of the committee saw what happened and they they don't. Uh but I will say Oklahoma's going to win this game. <laughs> it's just it's going to not it's not gonna be like a blowout, though. I mean, I will say it's going to be more along the lines like 56-52. Like, I mean, it's... Barn burner. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of which... And, Trevor, if, and if Baylor wins, I'm not going to be at all surprised. Yeah. Speaking of which, Trevor, you and I were absolutely wrong about the over-under. <laughs> yes, we um, <laughs> I got out to the field at Stanford Stadium, and they've got a, a, an out-of-town scoreboard, and I saw it's 46-41. I thought, well, uh, we were we wrong. Thought, we thought 63 was absurd. <laughs> they hit, what, 80-something? So, yeah. yeah. Crazy, crazy score. My number eight Minnesota Golden Gophers, fresh off their colossal upset of number four Penn State, travel to... 
Number 20, Iowa, 4 o'clock on Fox. I'll let you guys pick first. You like the Gophers or the Hawkeyes? I like the Gophers. Um, Iowa City is not an easy place to play at all. Um, but I think what Minnesota proved last year is they are a worthy team. Fleck has his players ready to go. And I just I think that the real challenge for Minnesota is not going to be this weekend at Iowa. It's going to be that following game against Wisconsin. So for me right now, I think Minnesota comes in. I think it's close for three quarters. I think they pull away in the fourth. I won't say someone on the lines like 24-13. I'm very intrigued by this game. It's not quite as quote-unquote high profile as the Penn State game. But they're on the road this time at Iowa. Like you said, that is not an easy place to play. So the Penn State game was at home. I'm sure that helped a little bit. Um, but I think I think Iowa's defense is really going to provide some issues that Minnesota will have to really struggle to overcome. But I do think this is going to be a low-scoring, close game. Uh, my head says go with Iowa, but I, I can't. I can't discredit an undefeated Minnesota that just knocked off Penn State. So, I'm going 17-10 Minnesota. So, am I hearing from y'all doubts about my Minnesota <laughs> Golden Gophers? A little bit. After Maybe. after they just shot the world <laughs> last week and defeated Penn State? That's my team, my Golden Gophers. But just like Shawn Michaels through Marty Jannetty through the barbershop window. I'm throwing out my Golden Gophers. They're losing this game. Iowa has played some tough games. They're only 6-3, not a very good record. But, but their three losses have been all by less than a touchdown. Exactly. Bunch of close games. They've got a really, really good defense. They're allowing less than 290 yards per game. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how Minnesota's offense can handle that. But if Iowa's offense could come in and make plays, Iowa will win this game. It's going to come down to quarterback Nate Stanley. He's got pedestrian numbers, 57% completion percentage. Not bad, but not great either. 12 TDs, 5 interceptions. If he can make a few big throws, Iowa will win this game. You're probably the guy that plays Oregon Trail and like stays on the trail instead of going down to Columbia because you don't row the boat. <laughs> <laughs> and last but most certainly not least, major, major game in the, in the SEC and in college football as a whole. Number four, Georgia. That's right. Number four, Georgia. <laughs> At number 12, Auburn, the Deep South's oldest rivalry renewed. Will, do the dogs have a chance, or will the Tigers beat them at home for the second time in a row? I... <laughs> Sorry, I a lot of thought in that. It's a dramatic thought. <laughs> well, I'll put it like this. I have to babysit my kid this weekend. And as y'all know, there is a curse involving my kid and Georgia football. I've already made plans to take him to his granddad's house, drop him off about 2.30 p.m. on Saturday. Give him an hour, yeah. And I'm going to go sit my butt at my parents' house, and I'm going to watch Georgia win Auburn, beat over Auburn. You know, they are 20-1. and one. On games where I've watched without Eli, they are 0-5 in games I've watched with Eli. The curse is real. As much as my wife tells me that I am just ignorant and that this is not a thing. <laughs> uh, but I am saying it will be. I think it's going to be a tough game. It's going to be exciting to watch. 
Um, but I'm going to go Georgia by seven. And I think that, uh, you know, they're still aren't going to be allowing any rushing touchdowns at Ooh, this game. That's bold. Um, Auburn did not scare me in the least coming into this season. And then they found this guy, Bo Nix, who made them really good early. He has struggled down the stretch. Auburn has struggled down the stretch. But this this steel defense, Kevin Steele, he is he knows what he's doing as defensive coordinator. Um, so I am a little bit concerned, more than a little bit concerned going in. Uh, I thought this time of year that Texas A&M was going to be Georgia's toughest game. It ain't. This is it. Uh, Georgia's got a big challenge. I'm not overlooking Auburn. I think even though they've struggled a little bit down the stretch, they are still a really, really good team. I'm curious to see whether this Georgia defense can handle the intricacies that, that Gus Malzahn loves to put into play. And on the other side, which version of Bo Nix is going to show up? Because he's struggled down the stretch here lately. If he can play like he did early in the season, could be a long night for Georgia. Uh, but I think Georgia needs to take control early and take the crowd up out of it. If you look back at 2017, I'm going to pull this up really, really quick. Georgia was – it was a close game. It wound up being a blowout. It was only 16-7 to at halftime. And Georgia led 7-0 and gave up some field goals and then finally a touchdown just before that half. They allowed the crowd at Jordan Air Stadium to hang around and still be a little bit raucous, take them out early, and Georgia shouldn't have any issues with the crowd noise after that. i, I got to pick the dogs. Georgia's defense is elite. And I think offensively it's going to be a big game for those tailbacks. They need to just run it up the middle, run it down their throats, and put this game away, pull away. I think Georgia wins 28-14. I'm gonna. I'm a little bit nervous because the last time these two teams met on November 16th was 2013, when a certain <laughs> play that is seared into my mind occurred. We won't talk about it, but I'm hoping that they can put those skeletons in the closet, lock the door, and get this win and clinch their spot in Atlanta. Go dogs! ESPN gives Auburn a 52% chance to win this game. Yep. I don't really know why. I'm I'm fully convinced that Georgia is the better football team. The yards allowed difference is astonishing. Georgia's defense is elite. I don't care the guys that are if any of the reporters out there are talking about that they're not that elite, they they haven't allowed a rushing a, a rushing touchdown. You can't tell me the defense. The is only not team elite. in college football in any and, level, right? Yeah, to have you done. can't tell me Georgia's defense is not elite. Um, Auburn just squeaked by Ole Miss of all teams, so I'm going with Auburn. Oh, <laughs> I gotta play devil's advocate a little bit here. I think, like you said, the intricacies of the Auburn offense can spell some troubles. I think even if Georgia does win, I agree they give up a rushing touchdown. I think that stat comes to an end this week. Um, I would not, kind of what you said earlier uh, about the Minnesota or the LSU-Bama game, I would not be surprised at all if Georgia, Georgia wins this game and even wins it convincingly. But I'm picking Auburn 28-24. All right, well, I hope you're all tripping. Um, <laughs> no problem. <laughs> I hope you don't get to come back next week and gloat like I did today <laughs> with formerly my Minnesota Golden Gophers. Right. Uh, but it's going to be a fun weekend of college football. 
Uh, I'll be on the road tonight at Calhoun. God help me, that's a long ride. With Morgan Football, so follow along with updates. And uh, we'll be back here next week to break down everything that's going to happen in next week's high school football action. And a shorter, I promise a shorter <laughs> breakdown of Lake Country basketball. Hope well, you come back Shard, and join us. Lee Shard out the ball and Braves having to go to Cairo. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it this week. Come back and join us next Friday. Thank you for listening to Any Given Friday, the official podcast of Lake Country Sports. Check back next week for another brand new episode.